0: Hey, Mary, have you ever wished you could be in two places at once to help with your reading instruction?
1: Oh, definitely. I haven't exactly found out how to clone myself, but I have found something that's a little bit close to it. This is Episode 24, Facilitating Digital Learning. This is the Reading Teachers Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation.
0: Hi, I'm Shannon Betts, and I've been teaching for over 16 years. My specialty is locating the missing pieces in students' reading development and choosing just right activities to fill those gaps. You can find me online at readingdevelopment.com and at rdngdevelopment on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Hi, I'm Mary Sagoffi. I'm a reading tutor and a dyslexia advocate. I've taught in all elementary grades and I have Orton-Gillingham training and have been helping students with reading issues and dyslexia for 10 years. I love talking all things special education and beyond. I believe that humor goes a long way when asking students and teachers to do hard things. I'm excited to share with Shannon and learn along with all of you.
0: I'm excited to do this episode tonight because this is something that's developed in my teaching just in the last few years, using technology in a really smart way with my students.
1: Yeah, me too. I feel like constantly the, there's something new on the horizon and something new that we all have to be able to be on top of um, in our classrooms, but it's also something that's really exciting um, and it really helps students. So anything that helps students, I'm pro. Yes. So last year,
0: uh, a Chromebook cart wound up in my room, and the first few months, I just let the kids kind of play on it, but it didn't really affect their, it didn't impact their learning very much, and so as I started digging into the software programs that we were using, and all the data that comes with it, and all the teacher teacher dashboard end of it, and all the features that it has, um, I started to facilitate their technology use. And that's when it became a really valuable tool, almost like having another teacher, a paraprofessional in the classroom, where the activities that they did on the computer were an extension of what we did in small group.
1: Right. I, uh, I had one of those meltdown moments where I'm like, I have to think smarter and not harder. I need to figure out a way to consistently use programs that will help me... With homework and repeated practice and I had to really kind of hone my skills a little bit especially the last year in the classroom and um, I'm constantly on the search right now for what kind of programming can help facilitate really accurate instruction and also give students feedback. So I'm pro digital resources. I just want to There's make some sure.
0: really good ones out there. They just have to be used in a certain way. Right. What I've realized is that they're not just play and go. They're not, you know, hands-off teacher completely. Right. Because if, if they're like that, then the student's I found just click around and they're not engaged
1: exactly.
0: and it's not a really valid use of their time. But since I've started doing specialized digital assignments and really, um, being on top of the programs that they're using and communicating with them about their digital assignments, it's become a game changer in my classroom. And I have stopped using, pr- uh, print centers completely. All of my work and for centers and, um, is digital now
1: was really impressed it must have been about five years ago or so and I heard of a teacher who had a no paper classroom and a completely technology centered classroom and I was so excited about that like I'm no, now that I'm thinking back it must have been even longer than that maybe almost eight years now but that's a really uh, you know high bar to set but I was really impressed and so that was one of the things that kind of got me motivated to utilize the digital resources more.
0: My son was in second grade last year and he got an email one morning from his teacher and she said, hi parents, I'm at a training all day. There is a sub in the classroom, but I did not leave any sub plans because I'm going to be monitoring their digital learning all day. Oh wow. And she gave them digital assignments and all their software programs and also in Google classroom. And she was monitoring their work all day long and she didn't leave any worksheets or anything for the sub. My mind was blown. Yeah, definitely.
1: I'm not there yet,
0: but hashtag goals. Yeah, right. Exactly. So we um, asked listeners to share what digital programs they have been using and y'all came up with some great ones. And we're going to kind of go over those. Throughout the episode and specifically, um, I'm going to talk about the ones that I use with my students and Mary's going to talk about the ones that she used with her um, homerooms and also her tutoring students. Mm-hmm. I specifically use a lot of MovieMax, Imagine Learning and Boom Learning. So, but even if you aren't familiar with those programs, I think what I'm sharing about how I use them is applicable to some of the other programs because a lot of them are similar. Imagine Learning is similar to Amplify and Lexia
1: yeah um I am familiar with Lexia and um it's a really great program to facilitate learning. I actually have some i have the most experience with lexia and um I also like the Nessy program. My only fallback um, is that American English speakers tend to get confused about the sounds that the Nessie program is sometimes using... With the British accent. Because it's a British accent. And so um, I, I actually love the characters in Nessie, and I think it's actually a I really... I love their YouTube videos. It's a fantastic program. So um, I also definitely recommend that as well, uh, especially if you don't have Orton-Gillingham trained teachers. The phonics instruction that's provided through Lexia and Nessie is really top-notch, so I can give a plug for that. Um, but I do want to also talk about how kids need to be motivated to use those programs yes. accurately and effectively and efficiently um, I'll throw my my quick story in. so um, you all know my buddy Rigby and Rigby sat in on his own IEP meeting this year which I was so proud of him for it was one of the proudest moments I've had and um, he was able to give some really good feedback so the team was talking about how he could still practice phonics instruction as a fifth grader and one of the suggestions was that the district was using the lexia program and his head kind of just you know fell a little bit his shoulders melted down and i said i know that he is not really keen on that program because he often has to go back it's not giving him the feedback that's motivating um, for him to correct his mistakes and so he was really brave and in his IEP meeting he said yeah it's really frustrating it kicks me back and then I have to review the entire lesson when really I just should have taken a minute to pause and think before I answered the question and that is so wonderful so don't hesitate to really get the feedback from your students too about how the program's going um, the people who facilitate a lot of these learning platforms are really excited and happy to hear from teachers and teacher feedback and they really want to help um, motivate students and and make sure that the classroom is um, a place that is really gaining a lot from their digital platforms. So yeah they're making their programs to be useful for students and teachers and so they want
0: to know how to make their programs better. I've got people at Moby Backs and imagine learning on speed dial and I contact them when I have issues yeah when I have ideas when I have oh can you fix this or what about this feature and they like hearing from me they will bounce ideas off of me too and it's well, it we've got a good relationship
1: yeah that you're communicating what your needs are to the companies because they are actually really helpful and I don't know if teachers always feel that their voice is as important as an administrator in their school and so they kind of shrug away or it's one more thing on your list to do. However, this is a way that you can actually affect change and people do listen um, from what i found from the feedback that I've used, gained from calling and getting on their help lines. The people are usually really friendly and it often takes less time than I had anticipated. It does and the districts and our schools, we're using
0: Title I money and other money to pay for these softwares, and so they want the softwares to be used because they want the money, you know, to be... If, if we're paying for a site license we're not using, then that's wasted money. But it, it also wants to be valuable use, that it's affecting the students' learning, it's helping us... better teachers it's helping the students progress
1: right so just keep all of that in mind even though it seems like there's something extra to do really this if you need to affect change this is actually one way to be able to do it so
0: yeah and if you're at a district that has a lot of different programs and it's kind of overwhelming listen to some of the ways we're talking about the programs and see which one you might want to dig into and try and tweak a little bit for your students and then you can add on another platform as you see it going um, I always start my digital learning with the students at the beginning of the year. We have data conferences, accountability talks, and I make this little digital assignment sheet. And, um, what I've done is i I like stickers. This is like bringing me back to my Lisa Frank days, mm-hmm. but I m- made little address label stickers that have a picture of the icons of the programs or the picture, the icon of the module within the program. Like Moby Max has like thirty different little modules within the program. They're I think Lexia, yes, something. and they mm-hmm. have like you know little symbols and things like that. With even within the color coding, mm-hmm. like the reading things are magenta, and there's about ten different reading I modules within that. I love
1: address labels. One, they look so clean, and two, it's so easy to just. Instead of writing anything out, it gives the kids that icon. That's great.
0: So we have this little, it's like a three-column page, and, like, the first column just says, I choose to work on, and then each row gets one of those stickers. And I won't overwhelm them. I'll start them with just one or two or three programs and then we'll add to it as the year progresses so they're choosing to work on something and then the middle column says you know why I'm working on this how does it help me Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to work on this because it will help with my vocabulary I'm choosing to work on this because it will help me with my phonics I'm choosing to work on this because it will help me with my fact fluency or whatever and then the last column says how I know that um I can show that I've made progress and they'll um, talk about their data goals and things like that. My lowest students didn't really understand what to put in that box. So they Mm -hmm. asked if they could um, just make a whole bunch of little boxes to make check boxes whenever they go through the programs. It's like, oh, that's a great idea. And so they all, um, they just go through and check, 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 check every single time they go in one of those, um, one of their little digital activities. Nice. And so I explain how the programs help them. And that's what
1: I was just about to follow up with. You have to really, really take the time to explain why and how we are doing what we're doing in the classroom, how it's going to make you smarter, better, and build upon your skills. The kids love to know that. They want to know where they're going. It's their roadmap, right? Right. And they want the time
0: to be valuable. And they are more likely to go in those programs when they understand why they're doing it and how it will help them learn. And they like having more than one activity as well, so that if they get tired of one program or get frustrated, they can go to another one. And so having those choices really helps. Another thing I do early on in the year is I customize whatever program I have. So MobiMax has a ton of customizable options. I believe Lexia does as well,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: where you can hide certain modules. Yes. When I didn't do this, the program wasn't as effective because the students, when they logged in, saw like 40 different icons and they would just click in one for two minutes and then click in another one for two minutes and click in another one for three minutes and they weren't ever actually completing a lesson or learning anything. It was just click, 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 click.
1: Exactly. So
0: I go in there and I hide a lot depending on what level they're at. And so if they're a beginning reader, I hide almost all the modules except – the early reading ones Great. because I That's want them to go in there and I want them to work on those specific ones. And then I'll open up other modules if they need it. There's also messengers, um, mm. in a lot of these programs. And last year I had a student who would never tell me what was bothering her when we would conference, but she would write me notes and messenger and she oh. would finally answer the question. What's bothering you? Why are you upset? Wow. And so I some of them they sent me too many messages, and I had to hide a couple kids, but it was interesting that that was the only way that student would communicate with me, so I was grateful to Moby Max oh, messenger really for that
1: powerful yeah i've I've used it before, but I never thought of that, but that actually may be an accommodation that I may teach some kids to use because that's a really powerful way that kids can communicate when they're struggling. Wow, awesome, yeah, that's
0: great, and we have um verge in our school district um which is sort of the housing of all these apps and um in my son's school district it's called my backpack and i think there's right. a messenger built in with that as well nice and maybe google classroom they could just send an email but there's something about that little messenger right at the top that little girl that was just that was literally the only time she would talk to me is when <laughs> it was through my max messenger so wow. i had to check it often to just see what she would write me cool so um, another thing I do pretty early on is I will show students if I if they have the capability uh, any of the data that they can see. So Moby mm-hmm. Max has a student dashboard and it's got this little like line graph icon, yeah. and it has so much information. I'm still learning about this three years into it of right. what data it will give the students. Um, just a few every Friday I have accountability talks with my highest two groups and we go through student dashboard together. And a few weeks ago we really got into line by line, every single information that is on the student dashboard. So they were already trained on looking at grade equivalent progress. Cause it'll, it'll show them in the Moby max math that they're at a 3.2 level or a 3.3 level right. and they watch their grade level go up, but it will actually show you a lot more. It will show you their accuracy on overall or on each lesson. It will show them how many problems they completed, how many lessons completed, um, the average daily time in that Mm -hmm. module. There's a lot of information. So The students are now... We've been tracking their grade equivalency in certain modules that I'm wanting them to work in, but they are also now setting goals within that dashboard, and they're choosing what data goal they want. Oh, I want to work 20 problems this week, or I want to complete five lessons this week, or I want to... You know, have total time be at 200 minutes or something.
1: Great. No, I think that's really powerful, especially in second grade, to be able to start setting goals and being, um, you know, truly accountable for what you're your grades look like. And not just your grades, but really like what your grade equivalency looks like. And, you know, oh, I'm struggling in this one concept. Can I try it again? And sometimes I know they even ask you, can I try it again? And that's really powerful. They
0: will. They'll see that their accuracy is low. And so they'll ask me to assign it again. And I, I can.
1: I think the other part is that, you know, if you notice that a student is struggling, then you can actually like pull them out and then you can do your actual teaching piece to it because you've freed up the time that the other kids are working on something else Um, and that part is really powerful. I know sometimes that you would provide like offline resources right so that I think gets really to be helpful for teachers too or you know sometimes in my case when I am working on an advocacy case and they maybe need to know of a different program that would be more effective, um, you can actually switch it doesn't have to be that every child fits into that same box. If they're using technology they can use different modules, they can use even a different program. Yes. And that that can be really helpful um, I think in facilitating and then sometimes that gives you the time to be freed up to do the one-on-one teaching that's really essential at that time.
0: And I use these technology programs to, ex- to challenge the higher students and also remediate the lower ones. So um, we use math testing in my school, and some of the students tested above grade level right. Right? in math, for example. And I, they're going to see multiplication and division, and they're going to see third and fourth grade questions in math, even though I'm only teaching the second grade curriculum. Right. So I'm using Mobymax, Khan Academy, Map Skills, other uh, software programs to help expose them to those advanced math skills, and then they'll come to me in a conference. I've trained them to come to me. One student, he was struggling with area and perimeter. I showed him a few things on the screen. He got it. He was able to go on his own after that.
1: Right, right. Sometimes it's just a few pointers where you're really just facilitating uh I think that all I think technology this is what technology does for all of us it can free up some time and also make some you know that's that's the beauty of it it frees up some time um for you to be able to do other things but you also have to be skilled so you know you and I were not trained very well when we were in college about how to facilitate technology you have to really kind of hone your skill as you're in the classroom so I always suggest to people to Find a teacher who's doing it well and see if you can emulate that. And then the following year, take it on your own and and see what you need Mm -hmm. to tweak. Because people
0: down the hall, like, have their own sort of pet programs that they really like. And they figured out little things and, oh, have you noticed this? And it has this capability. And what about this? And, yes, it's very good to have those conversations and learn from each other. Yeah. Yeah. so you mentioned offline resources. Imagine Learning is another program that I use, yeah. and they it's it's more plug and play. So it, it it when the students log in, it's to help them learn English, and we have a lot of English language learners in my school, so that's why we have site license for Imagine Learning, and it will test them where they are mm-hmm. in their English learning, and it just sort of starts all the lessons wherever it places them, and it just kind of keeps on going. So the teacher doesn't have to do a ton of assigning it's just sort of, it is a little bit more plug and play. Mm -hmm. However, you, they now just added a capability just in the last few months where you could, um, assign and usurp the regular assigned lesson in that sequence. If you really, like I taught, um, some rhyming lessons to some of my students. And so even though the rhyming modules weren't next, I,
1: You can assign those
0: into them, customized that, and then they were able to do the the rhyming ones and then go back to the other things that were in the program.
1: I always find that's really helpful for special education teachers when you can do that because sometimes you need to review. Yes. You need to come back and you need to review it again, and it can't necessarily be this exact same module. So sometimes you are using different programming to reteach it a different way, too, so... And then I use the offline
0: resources to help a lot as well. So yeah. I have was, I'm have i constantly in the teacher dashboards of these programs, sometimes with the students looking on, sometimes by myself. Mm-hmm. I click every area where I can click. I click anything that's underlined because it's a link and it'll open up other things. And you just sort of dig and you can find tons of information mm-hmm. about how the students are interacting with the program, You know, what they're completing, what their accuracy and grades were for it, you know, what kind of feedback they got, and so on. And some of my students were stuck at a certain level because imagine learning, you can actually check the progress and see like the grade, like um, the guided reading level, like they're at A or B, C, D, and so on. And this student was stuck, couldn't get out of a level. And I um, clicked on it finally and solved a ton of checks by a lot of the activities and then other ones had a little like refresh arrow little mark by them, which means that they had to keep going and doing certain things again because they weren't passing them. So I clicked on those and it showed up certain stories that, um, were decodable stories that were working on certain phonic sounds like the AW, the AW sound and the AY, the long A sound. And, um, when I clicked on them, it showed the offline resource as well, The what it looked like on the screen and then what it looked like in a PDF form. Mm-hmm. And so I, I um, brought that student over and said, do you recognize this? Oh, that's that hard story in Imagine Learning. I was like, okay, it's hard. Let's go practice it. So I printed it. And I pulled out some word work from my, you know, resources that I have in my classroom to work on those sounds. Mm-hmm. And then we worked on that story. And then he was able to go. And then I did my regular planned mm-hmm. got a reading group. Right. But then he was able to go back to the program with that feedback, that much more ready to complete that module and progress in the program. So it informed my teaching because it let me know, hey, this is a weakness. And I could I could target it right
1: away. <laughs> So that's such a good example of how you can use the, the real-time data that you get and make sure that you are actually facilitating the learning and making sure that they don't just get stuck on that one again and again. Especially when students get stuck, we know that their motivation completely decreases. And so, you know, but I guess my question is then, how often do you feel like you have to go and check that and how do you work that into your schedule Because I think that's what teachers get so caught up with. Like, oh, I have to go back and check. Like, how often would you say you have to check your module?
0: I check the
1: programs every day.
0: Mm -hmm. Now the students are so trained, they will come and ask me. So I have certain students, like the girls who were working on the rhyme, they did a rhyming guided reading lesson. And then I assigned it in MobiMax, Imagine Learning, and Boom Learning. And I sent it in all three places. And I said, go work on the rhyming. Now that we've done it in the reading group, you go work on the rhyming. And um, they came back to me a couple days later and said, how we do on the rhyming? And so they wanted to see the data. Great. And so a lot of times the students will remind me to go in. And they'll say, "Oh, I just did a whole bunch of lessons. How far am I? What's my letter, what's my letter now in Imagine Learning, yes. or what's my score in Moby Max?" So when I when they ask it, I'll look and then I'll start looking at other. I get to, I get into the data and then I click on a few other kids besides the ones who ask me. But I'll pull them over to my computer and say, "Let's go look." Other times we'll have like a 10-minute class meeting, and I'll show them the. Uh, I'll say, okay, let's see who's who's got, had the most time on task in the program this this week, right? Or right. Um, who has done the most lessons. I don't want to ever like shame them about who's at a higher level or not, so I don't yeah. show them that kind of private data. But there are certain parts of the program that you can show them that will um, help them be a little bit competitive and accountable to each other. That's and so how sometimes I used I'll put to- it on the whiteboard. Um, a lot of times at morning work, I'll check it. At the end of the day, I'll check them um, just to see if they finish things. Two of my groups, like I said, we meet every Friday, so we're in there together right. looking at it.
1: I love this. This is It's really helpful to hear how you kind of do it with the class, too, because I used to use that as motivation for my students, too. But I love just, hey, let's just check and see how is it looking. And everybody is, you know, their eyes zoom to their own uh, name. That's that's fantastic.
0: So another program that I like to use is called Boom Learning,
1: yeah.
0: and it's new. I only discovered it last year,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but when I started in reading a couple years ago, I really wanted to make my own app,
1: mm-hmm. and I even
0: sketched out the whole thing and tried to price it, but it's very expensive to build your own app, so I just sort of shoved those plans to the side and um, made print activities instead. And then discovered boom and boom is like a platform where teachers can build their own digital activities. So it's not just like Google slides or Google classroom because you can actually make movable parts and fill in the blank and a lot of interactive things. And so I make games on there. If I can't find the exact activity I want in one of the other digital programs. And so, um, great. Like one game I made recently was, um, a short and long goal soccer game because students were having trouble remembering which vowel sounds were the short sounds and which ones were the long sounds. And so I made a soccer goal game where they had to kick the, the word to the short goal or the long goal based on the vowel sound. And, I would work on it and guide a read group, and then I'll say, "Okay, here's your sticker. This is the digital assignment. This is what it looks like in Boom, so they can match the cover." Mm-hmm. And then they click on there, and I will say, "Okay, I want you to go practice that for a little while in your center time, and then we'll follow up, and I'll see that that you know they've gotten better." And so it's a way for me to—it's like they're sitting with me doing a sound sort, but they're not with me; they're in a computer. So that's yeah. a little bit like I'm cloning myself.
1: That is—that is the dream. That's like. You know, you're using the correct resource for the exact thing that you're wanting to do. And I bet they feel so proud. They're like, You made this? this well, they is hear my so voice cool. in it because it's
0: got sound and stuff. And so they know. And I have some sight word spelling ones, same thing. I was working on you know, reading the set of sight words and practicing the spelling and they were having trouble with certain words. I was like, okay, you need to go in this module because this is to practice the spelling of those sight words.
1: Awesome. And then
0: they went and practiced it. And then I tested them a few days later and they passed and they felt so good. And they said, oh, it's good. They practiced five times. And
1: that's great. I love, I think that's just fantastic. That's the way that, you know, we want to utilize technology. In my own classroom, I was never good enough to. I was lucky if I made my own paper games, but I don't know about my own digital games these days. It's faster. That's why I said I'm not even
0: doing print centers anymore because it took so long to prep. It's faster for me to just make my own digital game, and then it's graded for them.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's a really good point. Man, love this. Love this shift. It's so good. So Moby Max also has
0: some very specific literacy Mm -hmm. things that I wanted to mention because I've actually even brought them up in the parent conference. Mm. So all the little magenta modules that they have, it's like one for blending and one for print concepts and one for sight words and one for letter sounds and one for more complicated phonics patterns. And... I've sh- I showed the parent and the student, like, we work on this one to work on this, and we click on this one to work on this part of reading because there are a lot of different discrete skills, especially yeah. when you're an emergent um, reader. And so uh, even the father was like, oh, I see how that connects to what he's reading. I see how that game works on this. And then that encourages
1: them to get on at home as well. That's what I was going to say, too. And then the parent's... You know, you want to make sure that the kids are also doing independent work at home, but they, uh, the parents then get a little insight into... As to how the kids are learning the entire lesson. So that's really powerful too, I think. And then the parents kind of can reinforce it at home or not, because usually kids are very independent, but it facilitates more independent homework. Right, because unless the parents aren't
0: sure, like, you know, we have um, MobyMax language and it's all the parts of speech. And sometimes the parents of my students are learning English too, and they want to make sure the students are learning it correctly. Right. And I say, look, MobyMax. It's teaching it all right there. It's got a lesson, and then the students practice it. You just have to make sure your child gets on it, and I will follow up at school the next day. Right.
1: I think that's the key is just making sure that you become the facilitator in your classroom and you take the ownership for how technology can really help your students move forward.
0: And so any of the programs that you have, these are some of the ones that were mentioned by our listeners, Lexia, Mm -hmm. Freckle, Amplify, Language Live, Um, Super Kids, Epic, any of the programs that you have available to you, and there are others, the important thing is using them in a connected way to your instruction, that it's not just, okay, I'm sticking the student on a computer and I don't really know what they're doing. They become very rich and valuable tools when we facilitate their use. So, you've got to click in the dashboard and check their progress, check the assessments and the reports regularly. The more you dig in there, the more you'll learn how to use the programs better.
1: And I also think, like, kids really crave the white space or like knowing small amounts. So, if you're able to reduce those modules down and only give them a field of six. Max, that really helps them feel like, oh, I, okay, I've already eliminated this one. I've eliminated this one.
0: I'm going to work on this one next. I'm going to work on this one next. That makes such yeah.
1: a big difference.
0: So customize as you can. Assign things as you can. Um, monitor their time on task and their usage and make sure that they are engaged and not just clicking around.
1: Yeah.
0: And they can become a real part of your of your teaching and your curriculum. They can become an extra tool, like almost like an extra set of hands in the classroom.
1: I know that some of our listeners are going to be asked by um, their administration to kind of, check in and see is this an assess is this a good quality resource for us to purchase and buy and so um there's a really excellent episode on cult of pedagogy cult of pedagogy is um hosted by jennifer gonzalez who has been very helpful in our early stages of our podcast Um, but she has a really great interview um and it's called check your tech stick strategies um, for deeply assessing your technology. And um, I'm going to run through just a few of these tips because I found them to be very helpful. It's episode number 99 um, on her podcast. That's easy to remember. Yep. So first um, they said, oh, and I should also say that um, the interview is with... uh, Gupta. Rupa Gupta. And she was excellent. She's a former administrator, and now she's started her own tech company, and she's lovely. The first um, tip that she has is use it like a student. So when you are first looking at a program, imagine that you are a student and act just like one particular student that you might have in mind, and then have another teacher do that with a different you I know, student. I love that.
0: I make a demo account in every... In every yeah. program I have so that I can interact like a student, not just a teacher.
1: Yeah, it's really nice. Um, the next piece, which I really love, and I wish I would have been a little more proactive with this, is launch a pilot group. So gather a diverse group of students that you are already familiar with and then get feedback from them um, so that you're really getting the student voices. Uh, and then also watch and see how they use their t- this tool. Um, look closely at the data. So this is the part that I think is so important. And um, if you're not a big data person, wh- I really think we need to do a better job of helping teachers really understand data. Shannon is quite the data guru, and she has tremendously helped me. But really, it's we have so much data at our fingertips. This particular um, uh, woman, Rupa Gupta, she looked closely at the school that she was working with, and then disaggregated the data. And when she was able to do that, she found that the fifth and sixth graders that were reading on grade level above or close to it were really doing so well with the um, digital technology platform that they were using. But the kids who were struggling were really struggling and they were actually making less progress than before. Um, So it's really important to make sure that the teacher is on top of the data and facilitating and making sure that it's not just a click task, as Shannon had said before. Um, And then think about why, about how and why something works, and is it really changing the learning experience, or is it just equivalent to an online worksheet? There's a big difference between that. Um, And then ask about impact, ask the tech tech companies about how their tool impacts different types of learners. And if you don't know, and if they don't know, then how are they going to find out? And you really should hold them accountable to that. And then follow your gut. Sometimes you are working on a program and it just is not feeling right to you and you can't necessarily tell you why or, or exactly say why. It's just like when you're using a book and you're like, nope, this is not reaching my students. We need to move and change to something else. Following your gut is important, too. So those are the six um, strategies for assessing tech, and I thought that was a really powerful episode. Those are very useful. We will link
0: to that in our show notes. Yeah. And I
1: will um, show share picture, pictures of
0: the digital assignment sheets that I use, and um, we're going to link to all the programs that we mentioned if so that it's all in one place for you to listen to. We'd love to continue this conversation with you guys, so... Um, When this episode airs, we are going to in our Facebook page and also on our Instagram page, we're going to start the conversation and ask about some of these programs because we really want to hear in more detail how you're using them and see if we can all help each other just like. Mary said, having those conversations with the colleagues and learn, you know, little tweaks that um, people have used and little neat things that people have realized in the teacher dashboards and stuff. So we want to hear how you are making these
1: programs work in your classroom and managing your students learning with them. Especially if you're a special ed teacher. <laughs> I love hearing more about because, um, you know, the general population can really find out things, but sometimes we have kids who have these learning quirks that are really unique but they also exist in other schools and so the more we can talk about it the more we can learn from each other so
0: absolutely so join our conversation in using um, technology to facilitate learning Mm -hmm. we'd love to hear from you guys all right thank you for tuning in and please leave us an iTunes on uh, a review on itunes uh, if you get a chance so that other teachers can and parents can find our podcast
1: and thank you to Jordan Kemker and to Alison Zane of Fruit Creative for providing the music and artwork for our podcast.